Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 98 with strength, conditioning and rehab coach Tom Noon. Tom came on to talk about creating multiple income streams. He spoke about time management and productivity. We also um, spoke about, because Tom is involved in both male and uh, female football, but also full-time and part-time programs. So we went into detail on the differences, but also the similarities of those programs. And then we spoke about any changes that he'd made to his coaching practice recently. We spoke about being an effective coach um, and how to be effective with your coaching. And then also his reasons for focusing his business on rehab. So there's loads in this one, whether you are running your own business, whether you're working full-time at a club, part-time at a club, in male or female football, there's absolutely loads of information in this episode. So big thanks to Tom for coming on, um, and I hope you enjoy the episode with Tom. Um, We are delighted to finally, I did say on the last couple of episodes that we've been trying to upload new webinars to our community and I can now say that we have done that. Um, So if you are a community member, make sure you log in to the community because there is a brand new webinar for you on the community to go and watch and I will give you a little bit more information um, halfway through this episode so listen out for that as well but if you do want to become a community member to get access to our webinars and our presentations just go to footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top sign up there and that'll give you a free month and you can see exactly what the community is all about but this is a great episode with Tom like I said loads of information in this one and um, please as always share the show share it on Twitter Instagram um, send it out to friends, family, colleagues, whoever will enjoy the show. Um, and just make sure you subscribe as well. Sub- subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and then also on YouTube. Enjoy episode 98 with Tom Noon. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 98. I am delighted today to be joined by Tom Noon, strength, conditioning, and rehab coach. Tom, how's things? Good, mate. How are you, Ben? I'm good, thanks, mate. We've had a, another good discussion. I mentioned on the future, um, the recent even podcast, that every time I speak to a guest before we start recording, there's always loads of value in it, and we've just done the same thing, and I've not recorded yeah. it. So now we have to live up to the, <laughs> that quality conversation. That's it. That's it. We set the standards high. <laughs> so take us through. Uh, I know you've got plenty going on, Tom, um, plenty of different roles and, and things that you're working on at the moment so do you want to just take us back to start with on your education and then take us through to what you're doing at the moment yeah of course Ben um I guess we'll start day one I've obviously just gone down this sort of conventional route um of most sort of S&Ts and sports sciences these days so I started uh I did my undergrad in, in sports science at Liverpool John Moores uh during that time Obviously, that's a three-year course. I tried my hardest to try and get like some internships and experiences, etc. Uh, I was quite fortunate. I managed to get a few decent roles there. Um, I managed to get roughly a whole season at Oldham Athletic. I think that was in year two during my undergrad, which was good. Um, I had some short sort of experiences within football. Uh, Nike Academy at the time, they were now disbanded now, but that was that was an excellent experience. Um, then going into sort of year three or the final year of my undergrad, I managed to get John Moores themselves have uh, like an S&C department. So I sort of got a bit of an internship in there working with the student athletes, etc. 
so that was great. Uh, finished uni, uh, and then literally went straight into my masters. So I stayed on at John Moores and I did a masters in uh, sport and exercise physiology, uh, which is probably a little bit unconventional to be honest. I, I didn't do the S and C route. Um, the masters was very uh, sort of the, the cellular mechanisms of, of exercise adaptation it was a bit geeky to be honest it was very going down the PhD route um that kind of wasn't my interest but I was massively interested in the adaptations that sort of underpin health and performance um so that education was was massive for me uh during my master's I managed to get a, a fantastic job as a PT so that was working out of a private personal training facility in Liverpool at the time uh, and that was sort of my first real exposure to here you are, Tom, you're in the big wide world and you're sort of coaching people. Uh, but that was great, you know, because it gave me uh, people skills and the ability to really understand that everyone's different, not the same way you teach a squat for X is not going to work for B, etc. and all those sort of things. So I'd definitely encourage anyone to go down the PT route if they haven't already. Um, and then actually it's, it's funny, so I know I've, I'll go into my rehab sort of experience in a little bit, but my rehab interest actually started during that job. So in the PT studio, they had a physio that worked kind of on site as well. He'd rent a little space there. Um, and I got quite pally with him and he, he'd obviously bring his clients into the gym and they'd go through like whatever they needed with him. Uh, and I started to pay a big interest in what he did with them and that sort of hands-on, cute, delicate rehab. Uh, and then eventually he started to kind of pushing towards me so once he felt they, they were at a certain level this was typically running athletes or uh, people with anterior knee pains general population etc um, and then he started to push one to me which was really good so he gave me a little bit of extra sort of real hands-on rehab experience and that really resonated with me uh, and I loved it I, like, I gained a massive personal interest in rehab uh, when I finished that job um I actually got a job in, in Ireland. So there's a place in Ireland called the Sports Surgery Clinic. Now, what they are is they're essentially an orthopedic hospital, but they specialize in sports injuries. So over in Ireland, you obviously have the GAA. That's massive uh, Gaelic Football Association. They have uh, three main sports, which are hurling, camogie, uh, if I've got that name right, uh, and... Um, Gaelic football, essentially. Uh, they're just massive, massive on sports in Ireland and they're really multi-directional, high-intense sports. So they get a plethora of lower limb injuries, uh, ACLs being a massive, a massive one. Um, so as a clinic, they're a, a massive business, but they're very forward-thinking in what they do. So they employed me as an s and um, and they're a massive clinic who they house probably I think now they've got about 12 strength and conditioning coaches full-time. I think they've got 18 to 20 physiotherapists and they've actually got, or I think they are the only clinic uh, in Europe who, who utilise a biomechanics lab in daily practice as opposed to research within the university. Um, so they also employ five, six, seven, eight biomechanics uh, people as well. So that was fantastic. I got such exposure to different practitioners and uh, different ways of thinking, um, and it just, yeah, like that, that was definitely the, the kind of pivotal point in my career, I feel, where I started to really change my uh, coaching philosophy. Uh, we'll probably delve into that a little bit more later. But then then uh, I actually had a baby um, and the baby's mom and, and, and they, they weren't living in Ireland. So I eventually had to leave that role 
Uh, I was there for about 16 months. Uh, then when I came back, I got a job with a company called Game Changer Performance, who I'd kind of worked for very briefly when they first set up a few years prior. Um, but when I came back, they'd been, I think, three years based at St. George's Park. Um, and what they do there is they, again, specialise in rehab. So they, if you're a member of the PFA, what the PFA will do is they'll provide, uh, if you get injured, they'll provide a service for you where you can go spend some time with SGP and have like an intensive uh, week or two weeks rehabilitation. Um, and that's obviously work with male and female footballers. So it's very football specific. Um, but obviously the rehab background that I've had in Ireland working with many different multidirectional field sports athletes uh, gave me a good sort of stepping stone towards that role. Um, and then when I came back, yeah, I basically walked straight into the job and it was fantastic. And I was there for roughly a year. Um, and then now I, I work full time with Paul Vale Football Club, um, where I lead their strength condition for the first team. I've been in that job about seven months now. So I've probably been there three months. And then we obviously had COVID-19, which was a bit of a strange situation. Um, but it is what it is. Um, and that's going well. I'm enjoying it. Obviously looking forward to kind of being there fresh now and having a full pre-season to, to sort of kick on. Um, and then I've also just started working with FC United Women. So that's sort of a long time, a full-time role. I work with, with FC United Women part-time. That'll be two training sessions in the evening and they play on Sundays. Uh, and that's that gives me uh, real good coaching exposure to one, a different sort of population. Uh, but also it's a little bit of a blank canvas. So it allows me to kind of implement my own sort of philosophy with the girls and and, and have some real good input there. The other thing that I also do, which I actually started when I got back from Ireland, is I set up my own business. So I have my own private business called Tom Noon Health and Performance. Now, this is stemmed from my personal interest in rehab. So the aim of that business essentially was, to, can I provide a high-quality service that is aimed at optimising human health and performance? So that might be, over time, I've started to develop good relationships with local clinicians and, and some sports physicians, etc. So I've got a good referring sources now, uh, which are really good. So I'll typically see anyone from... Uh, general population, someone who's suffering with chronic lower back pain, um, someone who might be a little bit overweight, who's, who's got real bad anterior knee pain problems, uh, all the way up to your athlete who might have, who might be like a, an up and coming sprinter who's got a hamstring tendinopathy or anything like that. Um, so I deal with MSK injuries uh, all the way up to sort of your performance based things. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, that, that's sort of me. And the, the first thing that springs to mind, I'm sure many coaches are going, wow, there's a lot going on. And uh, yeah, being yeah. in a full-time role alone, obviously that brings um, a lot of work in itself. So I think one of the first things to dive into would be time management. So how do you find, because you just mentioned there that the girls uh, the girls train on a Tuesday, am I right, saying Tuesday, Thursday evening, play on a Sunday? No, they actually train Monday, Wednesday, and they play oh, on Sunday. Monday, Wednesday, play on a Sunday. And then, obviously, the, the lads at Port Vale, they're in full-time, and then, obviously, you've got your private work as well. So how do you structure that week, and how do you make sure that you're able to um, fit everything in to start with, but also um, take time for yourself? Because you mentioned, obviously, about having a little one. So yeah. um, how does family time factor, factor into that as well? Good question. <laughs> a lot of stress. Uh, a lot of booking things in on your phone and just trying to sort of 
to do what you can really. Um, I'm a bit, uh, I don't know if it's OCD, but I don't like to sit still. So I always need to be doing something. So for me, I'm happy to get up, go to work with Port Vale, get home, let's say 4 p.m. And then I'm happy to work all evening with private clients. Like it's not an issue to me. So I guess from a time management perspective, it's just what's priority. You just need to sort of, what's priority on the day? Is it my day where I've got to pick the little one up from school? If so, with the with that sort of two hour gap, I'll just not have to book anyone in. Um, you just have to sort of juggle juggle clients here, there, and everywhere. Really, um, I work weekends as well to try and cater for everybody, so I can really make sure that I fit everybody in. I try not to work Sundays and try and keep that as as purely family time. Um, I do see the few select lads that I'm quite close with that just might need the extra session on on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but yeah, there's there's no magic magic bullet there. I just do what I can. Just 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 keep going. I don't like to sit still. So no, I know I, I know a lot of people. Will, um, there's always that constant battle, isn't there, between finding that balance. But it's always just I, th- I think when people hear how much you've got going on and they appreciate that, and it's it's nice to hear how your week's structured and how you can adapt things as well. Um, yeah. But the other side of that is the productivity side because obviously you don't just want to be working these jobs or working with private clients or working with the girls and sort of ticking along obviously you want to be effective as well as as a coach so how do you stay productive because having your own business alone and like you said I think a really key thing that you said was having um and I can't remember the phrase you used but having um, people feeding into your business so whether that's different practitioners or physios or whoever it is you do need those sort of streams of um, work coming in don't you because obviously a lot of your time is taken up in a full-time environment with Port Vale and the part-time environment with um, FC United so how do you stay productive what are some what are some things you do on making sure that you're staying productive day day in day out uh, well that's actually part of the reason I took the uh, the, the FC United role because obviously we're all as coaches happy in our sort of comfort zone so over the years my comfort zone has been in the gym I've been a gym person for some reason being in the gym has always just sort of come natural to me and I guess that sort of stemmed into why going down the route of what I've done is getting into strength conditioning like most lads you know um I've just never really struggled in the gym I found lifting relatively easy like technique and all those sort of things have just come kind of natural to me that's kind of fed into me being uh, very comfortable in the gym in terms of coaching now obviously when you get into sort of athletic performance we know that gym isn't the be all and end all. Like there's a lot of things that we can do as practitioners that can uh, affect our athletes outside. So taking the, the game changer performance role was was a bit of a, a change for me because although there's a lot of gym work, there's a, there's a lot of effect that we have on the pitch with them as well. Whereas when I was in, in Ireland with the sports surgery clinic, it was very, very much uh, a clinic essentially. So I was working in like a high performance gym and that was it. Um, taking the FC United role and the Port Vale role uh, I've done purposely to try and challenge myself I want to make sure that I'm constantly I don't like to feel uncomfortable but let's start to get comfortable in these uncomfortable situations so I guess that's been something that I've sort of tried to change with my current coaching practices can I start to get comfortable with the uncomfortable can I get away from the things that I know that I'm happy with, which are my gym work, et cetera? And can I take myself into environments where I can start to learn myself and, and adapt as a coach and as a person as well? Um, 
and just continually progress and, and better myself. So taking the FC United role has definitely improved my um, people skills. Outdoor coaching has started to uh, help me like apply all the bits and bobs that we've got on our head in, in the field. Um, I don't know. I'd, being productive, I guess, you just, just try and put myself into new situations really and just constantly keep moving forward. That, that's the way I kind of deal with that. No, definitely. I think that's a great point in terms of, um, I think Matt Jones mentioned on the podcast recently about not having a comfort zone, but increasing the size of your comfort zone. So making sure that you expose yourself to different situations like you're talking about there. Um, but I think practitioners can relate to that a lot, can't they? That they're very either very comfortable in the gym or very comfortable on the pitch. And then as soon as you do the other one, it, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So I think it's a great yeah. point to put yourself in those situations because then, and this is just my personal view, but this is how I see S&C or physical prep progressing is that you do need to do both and you will need to do both. And I'm sure in the roles that you have that you do both anyway, um, yeah. but you have to be comfortable and effective doing both as well, don't you? Oh, 100%. Um, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but my coaching practice has definitely changed for, for the, it's flipped completely on its head. So, I always used to be as, as like a little bit of a younger coach, like everything is gym. We need to get do all the gym work, et cetera, et cetera. But I know the reason why that was, it's because like we just said, that was my comfort zone. I know I'm comfortable there. I know my coaching skills there, um, like I'm confident with them. And going outside and starting to coach, I don't know, acceleration drills or max velocity drills or even like your multidirectional movement plans. Uh, just in my experience with those wasn't wasn't the best so obviously logic says it, you're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable when you're doing that which is fine and I don't think that's a negative thing there's only one way to get better at something and that's just go out there and do it taking FC United with the girls has been like one of the best things I've done recently because I just get so much time with them outdoors uh, they're all individuals obviously and, and each of them moves differently and it's just good for me just to have that sort of blank canvas, so to speak, and just been able to apply what I like to call sort of your non-negotiables with them and, and start to coach these different these different aspects of physical performance that we know are important. Um, and I've actually now started to value being on the pitch more than in the gym. I've started to like, on a scale, I've started to go, mm, Jim, I think this is where we need to be really maximising what, what we can give to, to athletes. Um, yeah. And in terms of that role, where uh, where are the girls at with their season? Is it are they in? Because we just spoke about Port Vale before we started recording. But where where are they up to? Are they going into pre-season? Is it a similar sort of time scale? Or and how long have you um, been with them? Yeah, so I've been with the girls a month now. So it's very it's very very uh, in its infancy, so to speak. Um, they don't actually have a date currently when they're allowed to start the season. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating for them. Their first pre-season friendlies have now been allowed to start and they have the first one this weekend. Um, but yeah, they don't really have a date to work for, which is a little bit annoying. I think it's just to do with obviously money around testing and all those sort of bits and bobs and, and how's that going to look. Um, so they're just trialling friendlies at the moment, which are essentially behind closed doors. Um, and yeah, they just we'll just see how it goes. Um, from my perspective, it's kind of nice in a way, because their, their S&C history 
or exposure it isn't massive uh, if I'm honest for, for them as individuals and as a team uh, so I kind of like that because it gives me the the ability to just be slow and progressive and make sure we're nailing the basics and, and getting good with those basics and just staying consistent and gradually progressing those key elements that, that we know is important for, for football but also for the females as well um, and then just, just just making sure they've got that, that consistent coaching exposure from myself over time so for me I, I'm kind of enjoying it because it means I, I don't need to rush with anything I can take my time and I can just slowly sprinkle in all the little nuggets that, that, that we feel they, that they need you know yeah, it's making the most of the time that we might not get back, essentially, isn't it? Like, there's not exactly, going to be many yeah, times where we don't know when pre-season's starting, we don't know when, when the season's starting. So, like you say, it's it's giving them um, what they need right now, isn't it? And just adapting to that to that situation. Definitely, yeah. Awesome. Well, in terms of the programming for for a female player, um, now the, the, I'd mentioned to you before the podcast that we've got Dawn Scott coming on the podcast so we're going to really dive into um, the female game with Dawn but it'd be great to get your perspective on it from being in a full-time male environment to going into a a part-time female environment some of the biggest considerations you've had to make in terms of the programming for the either the female player or just the part-time program good question Um, I guess we'll start with like the part-time program and then we'll feed into the females so I guess with a part-time program, this is another reason why I've kind of enjoyed the FC United role because I actually feel it's made my coaching uh, experience for the team and the individuals better. And it's sort of made, as a coach, and obviously the corona situation has has made this happen as well, but it makes you realise, okay, I only have this much time with these athletes. What are the non-negotiables, the ultimate non-negotiables that I feel they, they should be doing? in the two sessions that I see them a week. So, you know, bear in mind, like, we're just doing those warm-ups. So what, what physical qualities do I think they need that I can make sure I drip feed into them over those two sessions? So straight away, you, you look at your big program and you go, okay, that can go, that can go, this is fluff, this is rubbish. Yeah, oh, I like that lunge. Okay, no, it's gone. Like, unless it's got a f- sole, sole purpose and it's meeting the, the key things that I need I've just started to get rid of all the rubbish essentially uh, and just narrow down your coaching and just make everything more simple um, it's the key thing really so non-negotiables what are they make sure you know what they are um, your programme for me should should uh, kind of focus around those uh, how can we get them into them and then let's just be consistent with with that let's get excellent with that and let's make sure we progressively overload that and then as I said because of the time I'm, I'm quite lucky but then obviously close of the season let, okay let, then we can have that specificity element um, so yeah it's, it's, it's made it better for me in, in a way it's made me realise okay I need to just get rid of all this unnecessary accessory work that you know we might have done or, or other coaches might be doing and just, just really hone in on okay what are the essential non-negotiables I think these girls or boys or whoever we're coaching uh, need to optimise their physical development. I think that's a, we get that question a lot. And I know I I mentioned um, on social media about getting a podcast based around part-time programmes and that alone, I think is a great bit of advice because I think people think that they've suddenly got to fit a full time's worth of work into a part-time program, don't they? Like you said, a lot of the stuff that you probably are able to do in a full-time program, 
you're not going to be able to do in a part-time program because it's part-time. Exactly. So having that list and, and being, being honest and, um, I suppose, objective in, in getting rid of exercise or getting rid of methods is, is a great point because I think that's um, what a lot of people don't do. And then it just turns into sort of ticking boxes, doesn't it? Oh, well, I've done a bit of this, I've done a bit of that, rather than being like, right, what's going to have the biggest effect on our practice right now? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and then what about the, um, so we said about in considerations for the female player as well as the part-time program. Yeah, sorry. So I guess consideration for the female player, obviously we know there's a few issues. Uh, the menstrual cycle, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert here and, and I'm sure Dawn Scott will, will elaborate on that in, in a far more detail than me. So I probably will leave that area to her. Uh, but we obviously know that has an effect and, and that just comes into making sure your communication with the with the girls is important and just understanding the, the individual person. If they come in on a bad day and they're feeling a little bit down, etc., just just make sure you're aware of these things. Um, as far as going, how do they differ to the men and what's, what, what key considerations have I found that are different is it's just personality and, and group dynamics. There's still banter. There's still banter like there is with the lads. Like It's, it's not that much different, just there's a few things around personalities that, that are a little bit different to, to the males. Um, I guess from my perspective, again, the key considerations I've had is going back to what we've just said around the non-negotiables and making sure that we're getting rid of the fluff is we obviously know that females are highly susceptible to, to strong uh, knee injuries, such as the anterior cruciate ligament, uh, which we know is bad for a few reasons, but obviously that's going to significantly impact their long-term knee joint health just generally as a human, which nobody wants wants that and nobody wants to potentially go and have a knee replacement when they get older, okay? So that's that has to be thought about regardless. And obviously from a performance perspective, uh, they're out for so long and it's just demoralising. It's debilitating to them physically, but mentally it's, it's very demoralising. So the ACL uh, and sort of, I don't want to say can, can we stop that because I don't think we can, but what in, what uh, things can I do that can potentially have an impact on minimising that? So that's definitely one of the key considerations I, I, I've taken and I'm still implementing now. Um, we can go into some practical applications of that in, in a second if you want. Uh, and then the other thing is stress fractures. Females are actually quite susceptible to, to stress fractures. Now, I'm no expert again, but I'm not too sure why that is. I don't know whether that's just to do with... Uh, general history of of exercise and strength training or, or or general strength qualities but for whatever reason they seem to be quite susceptible to stress fractures and as we know like that can impact how you how you program for them because we know there's certain things that we can do to make sure they're getting mechanical loading for the bone so that it can obviously adapt so they're not getting that repetitive overuse and, and, and ultimately a stress fracture um so they're the two key considerations i've taken um Obviously, with the ACLs, it's, I don't want to say it's simple, uh, but from my time in Dublin, I've spent a lot of time around ACL injuries, particularly with males and females. Um, and there's just a few little things that I like to do that are quite simple that you can implement in your warm-ups for those. So we do quite a lot of band work with the girls. Uh, that might be something as simple as place a band around your knees. It's like a clan variation, for example. Uh, we can get them holding hands, they might sit in like a bit of a squat pattern as if they're set up against the wall in like your typical isometric hole against the wall. Uh, they each have a band around their knees and they're just going to externally rotate 
hold for a second and come back, etc. And then we know that that's going to give them that sort of recruitment patterns to their external rotator groups, so their glute max, but then also their deep sort of external rotating muscles, which we know have a strong implication of how they sort of control their femur and then biomechanically their lower limbs. Um, we do a lot of work on, on, on just general hip strength with the bands because we know that obviously your, your posterior and lateral hip are going to significantly, again, impact how you sort of control your limbs uh, during dynamic tasks. Um, so we do a lot of work with the bands and the warm-ups and then we sort of go through your typical neuromuscular control work uh, that might... Uh, you know, your you single leg RDLs, loads of hamstring work, making sure those hamstrings are nice and robust is is really important because we know that they play a massive role in uh, limb control as well for, for ACL. So, so that's really important. Um, we'll go through just your simple teaching them to accept forces, really accept forces. So your basic hop and stick drills, obviously you can progress them and make them more challenging and dynamic, uh, both in the frontal and sagittal planes. Um, and then just core control, Sim- simple drills that can control how they how they uh, challenge their trunk, um, and 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 then give them tasks that might make that more demanding through change of direction drills, etc. Um, so yeah, that, that's it really. But like at the same time as working on my ACL reduction mechanisms, you're also starting to work other things like your change of direction mechanics, your your force acceptance and your your deceleration capabilities, which are all going to be massively important for when they get on the field. Uh, so it starts to come like a like a everything tied into one of what you need. Um, from a bone loading perspective, we can start to incorporate like mild plyometric work, like your, your classic pogo hops and start to really low level plyometrics and just overload the bone essentially. Um, I think what's really important is making sure that they start to develop a bit of strength, particularly around the hips and the hamstrings, and then can they produce forces quickly? So it's really important that for me, I've started to try and incorporate things where they can start to challenge their rate of force development, particularly on one leg, because as soon as they hit that that plant stance leg or whatever that may be, if they can't produce forces quickly in that position, we obviously know that we've got, uh, we're in a more troublesome position, so to speak. Um, yeah. Now I mentioned at the start of the episode we have now uploaded a brand new webinar to our online community and I have watched it this morning and it's superb. So the webinar is called Aligning Science with Football and it's the role of the performance manager by Rotherham United performance manager Ross Burberry. Now if anyone's seen Ross's work, spoke to him before Heard him on the podcast because he was on the podcast episode 47. Um, You know how influential and um, impactful and knowledgeable Ross is. Um, And this webinar does not disappoint. It's absolutely quality. There's loads of great information in there. He gives a great insight into how they work at Rotherham, how he links in with the manager. Um, He goes into great detail on that. So you can go and check it out. Um, community members just log into the community as usual and it is available on the video library anyone that's not a community member just head over to footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top if you sign up there it will give you one month free on the community 
Um, if you stay a member after that, it is only £4.99 per month and you get access to all future webinars as well as all the webinars that are available on there and all the network meeting presentations that are available on the community right now as well. And we will be following this webinar up with another couple of great webinars as well. Um, so just keep an eye out for those. But this one, absolutely quality. I really appreciate Ross giving up the time um, so we can put this on the on the community because it's absolutely great. Like I said, I've watched it this morning. I've actually watched it a couple of times um, and there's loads of takeaways in it. So if you do watch it, let us know what you think of it as well. Um, reach out to us and let us know. But go and check it out. Just go to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab. If you remember, sign in there. If not, join us and you get one month free, only £4.99 thereafter. I will leave you with part two of the podcast with Tom Noon. I think that that's great information like for anyone involved like not not just the female side but all the sort of considerations that you've taken into the program there I think there's some top information in there I, I can sort of hear in my head that coaches want to ask <laughs> that when you talked about non-negotiables yeah. can you touch on some for um the full-time program I know you've probably you spoke about this already but um just you've mentioned non-negotiables a few, a few times so I think it'd be great to um, tap into the way you think about the full-time program, what are some of the non-negotiables for the full-time and then the part-time? And obviously some might cross over, but um, can you just touch on that for us? Because I think that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Um, so again, it's, it's it's even more prevalent now because of what's going on with COVID. Uh, we don't know. So I was, at, I was at the club yesterday and we had a meeting and we're not actually yet allowed to get in the gym. Um potentially allowed in the next few weeks to have five people in there and all this sort of stuff. So again, th- th- this is why I'm saying this time and working with the girls is, is actually starting to make my coaching uh, far more effective to get out all the fluff and what are the key non-negotiables that we need to get, to get in there. So for me, I guess, particularly in a full-time program with the boys, uh, everything they do should be about their football. Okay. Uh, so, so what what can I give them that's going to make sure they're performing at their best outside and obviously minimising their risk of injury? Obviously, I don't need to go into the needs analysis of football. I'm pretty sure the listeners will know football as a sport and, and obviously contextually what what's needed there from a, a physical standpoint. Um, but we obviously know that hamstring injuries are highly prevalent, so that definitely has to be a consideration. Okay, from a sprinting perspective, we know that. Uh, the, the, the game is speed is king speed is king uh, they need to be robust to be able to repeat those uh, high intense sprint actions on a consistent basis um, and, and obviously do that full season full, full year round obviously we now know through through the strong literature that we've had we have things such as uh, the Nordic which obviously gives us that sort of eccentric hamstring uh, strengthening or the, the eccentric hamstring overload and then all the sort of muscle architectural adaptations that we'll get from that, such as your uh, increase in fascicle length and sarcomazing series, et cetera. We know that if I can program something as simple as a Nordic at the end of a session, if you're consistent with that and we obviously try and progress progressively overload them, we're going to get significant positive adaptations from minimizing hamstring injuries, but then potentially we might even get some physical performance benefits from, from speed. Um, Second to that, if I can incorporate some some ninety five percent and above uh, close to, in in terms of in relation to a percentage of someone's max velocity running, 
uh, let's just say we do that once weekly for four repetitions. Uh, I now know, okay, so now I've exposed them to essentially what they need from, from, from the game. So they're going to get an, a massive conditioning stimulus from that for the central nervous system. So it's going to massively affect their performance in a positive way. It's going to provide that potent injury prevention stimulus that we know is important for the hamstrings. Um, and it's just something as simple as doing three sprints at the end of your warm-up, making sure that obviously you're considering um, postural control there and, and mechanics of the actual runs themselves. Um, so there's two simple things and I've not even got in the gym. I'm just doing some sprints and some Nordics once a week and already I've caught loads of fluff and all these bits and bobs that we're doing in the gym and there's there's a give or take a robust posterior chain. Um, okay, so then we can look at football again and we can go, okay, so we need to be able to sprint and get that sort of extensive activity so we know our hamstrings need to be, need to be robust. Okay, we've ticked that off, great. What else do we need to know from, from, from football? Okay, they need to be uh, intensive in the pressing. So our manager likes to make sure we have that high press and we know that intensive nature is very mechanically uh, damaging to the muscles, particularly more around the, the hip and knee. Uh, okay, so now your gym program makes sense. So now we can have something as simple as a Nordic and some sprints. That's kind of take, taken over those two injury problems or the hamstring injury, but also a massive performance enhancement. Then from being making sure that we're, we're robust in that sort of pressing areas where we need to make sure we provide like this high eccentric load, breaking at speed, breaking at speed into new directions, et cetera, so those accelerations and decelerations. Then we'll go, okay, so how can we, how can we give them uh, robustness there? So that might be something, okay, you might start, so what I'm doing with the girls actually is, is because, because their history is not as strong with, with S&C, it's something as simple as let's just do a split squat ISO hold on the pitch, either at the end of your warm-up or at the, um, at the end of their session. Straight away, they're getting that sort of, I know it's isometric loading, but they're getting some, some the ability to produce force in their quads and their glutes. And we know that's going to be massively important for attenuating those, those deceleration loads. And then just being progressive, like I said, just th that's the basics. So that exercise would be a basic. Can we then just progressively overload that throughout the year and, and increase the volume and intensity of what we do? And that you can, that's when you can start getting a bit more fancy with, with your bits and bobs in the gym. But then also uh, something as simple as acceleration, deceleration drills. Let's just do some in the warm-up, some linear runs to a stop, press the mannequin, um, press the mannequin and then accelerate into a new place, et cetera, et cetera. And you're just starting to do all these bits and bobs and these key things that you need or the non-negotiables, as we've said, and we've not even got in the gym yet for a few simple bits and bobs. And then, okay, okay, that's what we need. All right, so in the gym, what we need to do then is if that's what we're going to do, we'll just make sure we have a heavy squat day and make sure we're, te we're, we're teaching the athletes to be able to produce or generate high forces um, and then we might pair that with we might do some contrast loading just just so they're in and out of the gym we might do that with like a barbell squat jump okay now we're training the ability to accelerate nice and quick and then also let's focus on the landing of that drill and we're teaching uh, force acceptance or eccentric deceleration rate of force development I don't know do you know but you, you can just start to really get rid of all the all the bits and bobs that they do in the gym and just go right you've got two exercises get in get out next group etc 
Does that make sense if I just rant it? No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think it'll be very practical when coaches are listening. They can apply it to what they're doing because I think, I said it before, I think a lot of people do get caught up in trying to fit too much into a program. And I think yeah. what you said with a lot of that is you're doing one thing that covers a number of different rationales behind why you're doing it. And, Definitely. and that's the way we've got to look at it, isn't it? Because we're, and I know I've mentioned a few times that you're in a full-time program and part-time program, but I'm sure you'll admit, even in the full-time program, it'd be nice to have more time with the players. Oh, of course, yeah. It might, it might as well be a part-time program. Exactly. You know? So we have to be effective. And I tied it right back to the start about, about being productive in your time, but that's how you're productive within your coaching practice as well, isn't it? That you, you look at... Yeah one thing that you add into the program and all the different impacts it can have. So I think that was, that was great. Yeah. I guess if I just elaborate a little bit more as well. So the, the thought process that I have now is again, just going into those key non-negotiables. Okay. We need to, we need to sprint and we need to press just as two examples. Okay. This is football. What I was talking about, uh, all those things we can do on the pitch. Like I call it field strength. There's so much we can do on the pitch. This is why my coaching has gone massively more to the pitch Give them the, what they need in the gym to be robust for that, but don't worry too much about that. Just give them something where they're going to be able to generate the strength and the capacity to deal with what you do outside. So something as simple as a heavy squat, you can't really go wrong. I know you could argue in this few different bits you might want to throw in there, but if you've got a heavy squat on your program and you're progressively overloading that, go outside and you're you're then given that you're, you're so they're generating that capacity in the gym and then just focus everything outside because essentially they just want to be outside doing doing what they do you know so and that was one thing I was going to say on that as well the psychology of working with a footballer on the pitch with the with the culture of football that the gym isn't the main priority like it is in a lot of other sports then that could have a big impact as well can't it definitely yeah massively then I think it'd be good to um and I know you've probably touched on this a little bit as well about your coaching practice and how anything that's that's developed or anything you've maybe focused on more or changed your mind on um, recently. So, and I know we, you, you've talked about a little bit of it already, but if, is there anything else that sort of stands out that um, you've, like say, you've changed your mind on or you've, you've um, added into your practice? Yeah, so we've, we've obviously been lucky, obviously, because of COVID-19. We've had uh, loads of fantastic webinars um, and, and podcasts and things to listen to. I'm not sure what age you've listened to a few. I'm terrible at memory stuff, so I can't think of any at the top of my head, but there's been some excellent resources out there that really has, um, free resources as well. So listening to loads of things and dealing with the situation we've had and then going into this female uh, environment where, like you said, it's part-time and I've only got so many time, so much time with them a week, et cetera, et cetera. I've just started to value being on the pitch more. Get done in the gym in you can get you can get done in the gym in half an hour. Just making sure you're ticking those non-negotiable boxes, like I said, um, and then just let's just get out on the field. So I guess the key things I've started to change is just become more simple in in a way if that makes sense. So simplicity with my coaching, but then making sure that I'm I'm doing those simple things very well and making sure that those basic simple things. We're, we're, we're mastering and then we're, we're progressively overloading them and then we're slowly getting that to more specific to, to the team's needs but also the individual needs that's it really and I just I, you start to feel like I'm definitely no expert but you start to feel coaching's actually more uh, simple than we, than we make it 
like you said, we always want to throw in all these different bits and bobs and we need to get 600 different things in because we've got so many physical qualities that we want to address. And I've definitely been there and I still feel like there's things that I'm missing, etc. But if you just set yourself a set of non-negotiables and, and say, okay, right, this is my time with these people or this athlete. I've got a set of non-negotiables. That is it. I'm going to get very good at these and I'm going to progressively overload them. You will tick so many boxes uh, you know, you, and you, you'll definitely improve the athlete, no, no, no question. Um, so that's it, really. Just staying simple uh, and getting good at the basics and, and just progressing with those. And, I, and I value pitch work as well. I've started to value pitch work a lot more. Um, awesome. No, I think that, again, I think that's great. And I was going to ask as well about... Um, effective coaching and being an effective coach and have and being really impactful with your coaching because again touching on the time element that we don't have all the time in the world whether it's a part-time or a full-time program so is there anything that you think that you've either added into your practice or that you do well or, or that you've seen other people do well that make sure that you have a real impact with the, the girls or the boys or, or whatever players you're working with uh, yeah, like con contextualize everything has to be. So I worked at St. George's Park, obviously, for a good year, and that was such a fantastic place to be. But there, as a physical performance department within the FA, so the FA's physical, physical performance department, they're really open. Well, being around St. George's Park anyway, they've been really open with, with what they do and the standards they're trying to, they're trying to make and, and et cetera. And they've got things, I don't know if you've seen, but they have... Um, you know, they've contextualized things really well to the lads and the, and the girls. So they have something like, they call it sprinting strength. They have breaking strength. Um, and then something that they call repeat and recover. So there's their three sort of physical, key physical things that they feel they need to get. So your repeat and recover would be your classic. That's your, that's your aerobic capacity. How fit are we essentially? And how well can we constantly repeat the intense actions that we know happen considerably in a game? Uh, and can we can we be fit enough to repeat them constantly? Now, just seeing something as simple as that, it makes it so simple that if the players understand that straight away, they're just going to buy into that 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 those running drills or whatever they're going to do. Then they have breaking strength. Okay, I don't. I'm not obviously sure behind the scenes how they've sold that to the individuals. I've kind of adapted that to my own. So at, at Port Vale, we call it pressing strength, and the reason is is because the managers constantly onto them around press, press, press. Like this is how we want to play. Blah blah blah. Okay, so when like I've contextualized that to them, pressing strength. We need to be strong in that press. They know that they get sore from those intensive actions. They, they've they've said that to me, so straight away I'm like, okay, well we need to be strong to press. So we have two days essentially in the gym. One is uh, sprinting strength, which I, I've, I've definitely adapted and taken from from the FA's physical performance. Um, sort of benchmarkings but it makes sense the boys know they need to sprint they know that's when they get injured and they know that's when people pull their hamstrings but they also want to make sure they're fast so if I can give them okay you've got your sprinting strength exercises now in the gym straight away they're like okay I've got two exercises I need to do it do you know like just that sort of contextualizing and creating this cultured environment where they understand what they're doing and they start to see that okay it makes sense now that I do this in the gym and that's related to the pitch Everything has to be related to what, what they do as a sport. So, yeah, I'm, I've def highly been influenced by, by, by the FA. I think that's a fantastic uh, way of, of, of um, promoting our physical performance um, aspects.
And then it's just making sure that you're communicating that as effectively as possible. So do they understand why we do those squats in the gym or that split squat? Okay, now you know that you're getting sore in your quads and your, and your glutes after a heavy small-sided game. What have we done in that small-sided game? You've done loads of short, sharp axel details. You've pressed the hell out of your opposition. Okay, we need to be stronger and robust there so that when we do that again, we might not be as sore or we can keep doing that throughout the game and make sure we're potentially got that sort of performance edge on, on our opponents or whatever that may be. Um, so, yeah, I guess just make sure you create an environment where they understand the context of what you're giving them uh, and you're not just giving them, you know, a load of rubbish. And then again, this is where coming back to um, the non-negotiables are. Just make it time efficient for them. So you've got two exercises, that's your non-negotiables. Two things, you're in and out in 25 minutes, done. And then they just start to be a lot more happier and they just get things done. You're happy, they're happy. I think it's another great point. That language is so key, isn't it? And then also um, not playing down like the work they've got to do because obviously it's still important that we're building that robustness like you talked about in the gym. But if we suddenly start referring to like a gym session, they're thinking it's going to be an hour, an hour and a half and they've got all this work to do, then it can be a little bit off-putting, can't it? Like you said, if you refer to it Definitely. as your your um, sprint strength or whatever whatever language you want to use of it and you feel that you've got two exercises, then it suddenly becomes a lot more attractive and um, they've got the context behind it, like you just said. Definitely, yeah. I think the other thing as well, which I've started to do, is I've started to become a lot more flexible. So if they don't want a back squat and they want to use a trap bar squat, I'm happy. Or if they want a front squat or if they want a split squat or whatever that may be, I'm happy. Again, it's, it's coming back to the, the adaptation of what you want. The adaptation that we want is we want you to be able to generate high muscular force around the quads and the glutes, for example. Uh, okay, if you're going to do that through one of these four, I don't care. Just get some weight on the bar. Make sure it's heavy. Happy days, you know. Uh, so I guess just making sure you're really flexible with what you do. And then obviously the one that I've missed out is just making sure that you're using evidence to try, to try and inform your decisions that you do. Oh, definitely. And I was just I was just checking it because we talked about before everything that we were going to fit into the podcast and I probably missed out just a, um, a couple of things. So we'll, we'll just finish up with these. So and I should have asked this at the start, but in terms of your um, your business and your yeah. individual work that you do, what was the reason for focusing more on the rehab side? Uh, just personal interest. I feel. Again, this goes back to what I was saying at the start, being comfortable. I'm very comfortable as a one-to-one coach. It's just something I've always been comfortable with, and it's probably because it stemmed from my personal training environment. I've then gone into a clinic, and just everything's been very one-to-one, and that athlete or individual or, or patient, whoever they may be, has got my time. And that's, again, that comes back to why I took the SC United and the Port Verrall. I wanted to be out of that comfort zone. But because I'm so comfortable in those environments and because you've got such such time with them, you you can really educate that individual. Like I can have sessions where I might not even give them any prescriptive exercise or, or anything. It might just be a, a conversation with someone that comes and sees me who's referred to, okay, so I might get someone, let's just say, she's referred to me from her, her doctor. She's had a scan on her knee. She's been told she's got patella tendinopathy. Uh, she's heard this fancy word and she's she's friend like what is that she'll come see me and she'll go okay tom uh such and such has referred myself to you like how are you going to get me better i've seen four physios blah 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 they've done this this and this you know all, all this sort of stuff and 
honestly, like, if you just spend time with them and educate them and just give them something as simple as making sure they know why that happens and, and telling them it's not the end of the world and just understanding what, what they've got and how to fix it, you, you can get someone better without even doing anything. And I don't know, just that sort of, I just get a real benefit and, and that kept this personal pleasure, so to speak, out of just making people better. And I just feel you can have such good input one-to-one, particularly from a rehab perspective. At the end of the day, we all get old and we all get injured. Uh, and if that's why my business is health and performance, because I would say 70% of the people I see are just people who are needing to optimize their cardiovascular health uh, through whatever exercise intervention that may be, or, you know, they've got some form of MSK pathology and my aim is to optimize their joint health. Uh, and just having that sort of one-to-one time with them and, and seeing them progress from where they come, like someone who's got back pain and comes very worried, very scared of moving, very scared of bending and all this sort of stuff. And then you see them deadlifting 60 kg as an example, you know, like three weeks later, and they they they're flabbergasted by oh my god I can't believe this and it, it's just really pleasing I would say um, and I just feel in SNC as a family man like I'm not too sure if I'm going to stick within the sporting realm forever so it's it's more of a younger person's role so to speak um, so you, I need a plan B so if I can start to build a business now that gives me a career a full time career in five, ten years, uh, with something that I'm passionate about and I enjoy, then then it's a no-brainer. Um, so I guess, yeah, that, that my, my five to ten-year plan is to open up my own sort of rehab clinic. That, that's what I want to do, but we'll see. And you must have uh, read my mind there because the other thing that we, we did miss out on is the mul- multiple in- income streams. And I know loads of coaches have spoke about this and uh, you see more and more people um, setting up businesses and having other things going on in the background as well as being full-time at a club. And I fully agree with you that um, it's tough, isn't it? Like when, you, when you've got a family yeah. and you're expected to, um, no jobs are secure, unfortunately. Like no manager's jobs are secure. So definitely no staff's jobs are secure. It's, you do have to have that plan B. So was that always the plan for you? Did you always want that? Or is that just something that you feel like um, like you said before about your personality, that you've always got to be busy. Is that? Do you think that's been formed from that, or a little bit of both? Yeah, I've definitely always got to be busy. So that that's definitely formed part of that. But um, I guess when I went over to Dublin, I started to see. So, like I just said, I'd see someone who would say to me, "Tom, I've seen six physiotherapists. How are you going to get me better?" Not discrediting or dis- or like being any negative toward physios, there's a lot of good physios out there, but there's a lot of physios that, we're going back to this non-negotiable scenario now, that beat around the bush. They, they don't get straight down to the nitty-gritty of, of solving that problem. And I feel like it's because they're taught to be... I need to watch what I say, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say too much, but as opposed to, for example, uh, okay, you're getting knee pain, What there's the diagnosis, I need to treat this diagnosis. No, let's understand why you're getting that problem and, and get you out of that and then slowly get you into more normal movement patterns and just, just get you better. Um, so the business stemmed from that. I wanted to bring that mindset of that I've been drilled and learned in, in Ireland back to the UK where I provide a high-quality, no-rubbish uh, rehab service, essentially, using the skills that I, that I developed over in, in, in Ireland. And I'm just massively passionate about it. And it, it just generated from that. Um, so, yeah. 
that, that, that's why. No, I think that's a, a great point. And again, like creating something out of a passion like that, I think is really important because it, it becomes sustainable, doesn't it? And it's not to say that there isn't battles and tough times when you've got your own business and you're working something that is your passion because it definitely is. Um, yeah. Anyone that doesn't believe that is a bit of a fool, but it <laughs> makes things a, a bit easier, doesn't it, to sort of cope with and, and work at and create something out of. 100% yeah you've got to have that passion you need to enjoy what you do uh, I don't not enjoy going to sport well every day I, I definitely do enjoy it like who if you're involved in football and you, you're a football person which I am like it's definitely enjoyable uh, but like you say I'm not too sure how long that will last no one knows what security is not there um, and essentially like, like I just don't think that's a job that you can be in for forever so can I start to build this business now where I can just be this 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 rehab professional so to speak um the people know in the local community within within where i live in manchester is okay he's a, he's a really cool person to go and see he, you know he knows what he's doing he'll get me better that, that's that's my aim awesome and just, and just generally promote general uh i'm massive on promoting just general general help as well just just exercise and just generally moving and, and that sort of thing and if i could be a person that people come to just with general structured help around uh, improving their just generally their, their physical or mental health through through exercise then like again that's a passion of mine and I'd, like, I'd, I'd love to do that as a job I think that's great again I think there's been loads of great content in this one like we've touched on I think we've got through everything that we said that we were going to get through and a lot of it has crossed over so that's I think it's it's gone uh, quite nicely and flowed quite nicely but if there's anyone that wants to get in touch, maybe ask questions on some of the things that you've talked about, possibly even uh, tap into your um, way of thinking about setting up a business or even reaching out if someone wants to, um, to work with you in terms of any one-to-one work, have you got any, can you direct them to the right place? Yeah, so uh, the best, probably the most thing that I'm active on is, is Instagram. Um, so my business is called Tom Noon Health and Performance. Uh, so my Instagram is simply tn.healthandperformance. Um, so at tn.healthandperformance. I am on Twitter as well. That that was made uh, quite a while ago. So that's just simply at TomNoon89. So that's my date of birth, at TomNoon89. Um, and, and that's it really. They're, they're the main two. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you giving up your time there, mate. I think there's, again, I think there's loads of good content in this one. So um, yeah, thank you for coming on. No problem. Cheers, Ben. And we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Good man. Cheers. Take care, mate. Take care, mate. I hope you enjoyed episode 98 with Tom. I think there was loads of great stuff in this episode again. And I think it's very relatable to a lot of different practitioners. So like I said before, at the start of the episode, um, Tom runs his own business. He's also involved in a full-time program and a part-time program in both male and female football. So he's got absolutely loads going on, which is why I asked him about time management and productivity. And I think he gave some great tips on that throughout the episode. Um, but takeaways for me were, the, he spoke about the benefits of personal training. And I think this is something that we are we have come around to. I think a few years ago there was a bit of stigma about personal training. If you go down the personal training route, you're going to struggle to go back into any sort of performance uh, coaching. But I don't think that's the case. And Tom Great gave some great examples of some benefits of personal training and working with personal training clients as well. Um, 
taking new roles to challenge himself. So I referenced Matt Jones in the podcast because he spoke about expanding your comfort zone. Um, Tom spoke, spoke about stepping out of your comfort zone and the reasons why he stepped out of it in relation to he was very, very comfortable in the gym um, and he, he's now doing more pitch work. And I think that is a great point that I think as a practitioner, and I said this in the episode, I think we are more comfortable in one or the other. And this is just my personal opinion that I think in the future we we will need to be comfortable in both. So the fact that Tom has now stepped out of his comfort zone, taking this new role with FC United um, ladies team, spending more time on the pitch, that is only going to benefit his practice going forward. Getting rid of the fluff, the title of the episode, but I think that was great a great point in terms of the part-time programme looking at all the different things that we can implement in a program, but then that gives us a great way of uh, highlighting and prioritizing things that we can get into a program when we're short on time. But that that is the same in a full-time program as well, like we said in the episode. And contextualizing everything, that was another great point from, from Tom to players in particular, but I think that's that's to everyone as well. Um I think that's a great point, and and he gave some again. He gave some examples in the episode of working with players and and giving that context to the player, which which gives, creates that buy-in, and that's something we spoke about time and time again. So, I really enjoyed this episode with Tom. I think there was loads in it. Again, I've, it's, Tom's not someone I've spoke spoken to before. It was someone that I reached out to on social media, and um, another great chat and I hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, so reach out let us know what you think of the episode it'd be great to hear from you in the meantime go and give Tom a follow so he's on Twitter at TomNoon89 and he's also on Instagram at TN.HealthAndPerformance so all one word so go and give him a follow on both Twitter and Instagram and like I say it will be great to hear any takeaways that you take away from this podcast so reach out and let us know We've got another great podcast coming up next week. Really excited to give you that one. Someone that's been in some big, big roles and someone that's also been asked for every time that we put out um, recommendations for podcast guests. I'm really uh, excited to record the episode, which I'm going to be recording tomorrow, but also releasing it to you guys as well um, because I think you're really going to enjoy this guest. Um, And then that is obviously episode 99. We have episode 100 right around the corner, which again... I've lined up some great guests for that one. Um, So really excited to bring you these next few podcasts. But big thank you again for listening to the episode. And please do us a huge favor in sharing the show. It'd be great to get it out to more practitioners. And uh, we will speak to you again next week.